Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen, and today is September 29th. Today we're going to continue in Isaiah 53. Hopefully we can finish it up today. So let's jump right in. Verse 6 says, All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Now, I can't read this verse without thinking of the old, I think it was made in the 90s, but it was a seminary movie about this kid who was trying to better understand the sacrament, and he goes through this magic portal that takes him back to his teenage years so he can teach himself about the sacrament and stuff. Anyway, as part of that magical journey, (laughs) they end up in a field just outside of Jerusalem near the Savior's time. And he teaches him about sacrifice. And he says, I want you to find the most perfect lamb. And so he finds this lamb that's perfect. And then he says, now I need you to kill the lamb. And it's weird and it's dramatic and it's a little intense, but it's really powerful because the kid takes a look at his older self and he says, well, what did the lamb do wrong? He didn't do anything. And I love how that relates to this verse. All of us, like sheep, we wander. We go to and fro. We make mistakes. We forget about what we're supposed to be doing. We constantly, every single day of our lives, as hard as we try, we err and we sin. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We've all turned our own way. But it says, the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. So just like in that movie, the sheep received the sin of the boy and was perfect. He didn't do anything wrong to deserve that. But just as though that boy's sins got transferred to that sheep, our sins, our mistakes, our transgressions are transferred to the Savior because he laid upon himself the iniquity of all of us. Is it fair? Absolutely not. But I'm so grateful that it's not. So grateful that the Savior in his perfection took upon himself all my imperfections. Then it goes on and it says, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before the shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Now that's interesting. There's a little bit of that Isaiah poetry and that parallelism. In one verse, he talks about us being the sheep. And in the very next, he talks about the Savior being the sheep, going before the shearer. And rather than going kicking and screaming and bleeding, he goes and he opens not his mouth. We see that come true as he stands before kings and opens not his mouth. There's a really powerful example in that for each of us. There are times when we would do best to open not our mouths, to be peacemakers and just to let things go. Verse eight is probably my favorite. It says, he was taken from prison and from judgment and who shall declare his generation? Now, better translated, that says he was taken from prison and from justice. He wasn't taken from judgment. There was plenty of faults and harsh judgment to go around. He experienced plenty of judgment in his day, but what was in short supply was actual justice. He was taken from justice. There was no justice for him. And then I love the question that's asked, who shall declare his generation? Who can stand up and can testify of the things that he has done and the people that we are because of what he has done? Verse 10, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put upon him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, 
and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Now, we're going to go backwards on this a little bit. It says, when he makes his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. The promise is that we are going to have a chance to see him again. We are going to have a chance to thank him for his vicarious sacrifice for us. It says that after, sometime after that was done, he shall see his seed. Now I have this first cross reference to Mosiah chapter 15, verse 10, which says, and now I say unto you, who shall declare his generation? Does that sound familiar? We just heard that. Behold, I say unto you that when his soul has been made an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. So Abinadi clearly knows the book of Isaiah, right? He is preaching from the book of Isaiah, but he's going to go a little bit farther to help us understand who is going to see him. He continues on and says, and now what say ye and who shall be his seed? Behold, I say unto you that whosoever has heard the words of the prophets, yea, all the holy prophets, all those who have hearkened unto their words and believed that the Lord would redeem his people and have looked forward to that day for a remission of their sins, I say unto you that these are his seed, or they are the heirs of the kingdom of God. I love that added understanding that Abinadi gives us there. Now let's talk a little bit about that first sentence in that verse. It says, Yea, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. First of all, that word bruise is really interesting. If you'll remember, one of the very first verses of this chapter calls him a tender plant. And that word tender in Hebrew is the same word for bruised. So it's interesting that the Savior is described as being bruised twice here. Verse 5, he was bruised for our iniquities. And then here it says, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Yet at the very beginning of this chapter, it says that he shall grow up before him as a bruised plant. Another interesting thing about that word bruised is that the first time that we see it in the Bible, we see it in the Garden of Eden. Remember, it says he shall have power to bruise thy hill, but he shall have power to crush his head. Think about that idea of the adversary bruising the Savior and how we see it here. He was bruised for our afflictions and our iniquities, but it's because he was bruised that he now has power to crush the adversary on our behalf. Love that word bruised there. And that's super interesting. But what's most important is why does it please the Lord that the Savior was bruised? Elder Melvin J. Ballard explains this so perfectly in one of his famous talks called The Sacramental Covenant. He talks a bit about Abraham and the sacrifice that he had to make of Isaac but how his knife was stayed when there was a ram in the thicket, and how similar that was to God's sacrifice of his only begotten son, but how in that moment there would be no ram in the thicket, that the knife would not be stayed, that God would have to go through with that sacrifice. Listen to what he says. He says, In that hour, I think I can see our dear father behind the veil looking upon these dying struggles until even he could not endure it any longer. And like the mother who bids farewell to her dying child has to be taken out of the room so as to not look upon the last struggles, so he bowed his head and hid in some part of his universe, his great heart almost breaking for the love that he had for his son. Now I'm going to pause there real quick. This scripture says that it pleased God that the Savior was bruised. 
Does any of that sound like God was pleased or happy about it? No, it must have been tragic and horrifying. But listen to what Elder Ballard says. Oh, in that moment when he might have saved his son, I thank him and praise him that he did not fail us. For he had not only the love of his son in mind, but he also had love for us. I rejoice that he did not interfere and that his love for us made it possible for him to endure to look upon the suffering of his son and give him finally to us, our Savior and our Redeemer. Without him, without his sacrifice, we would have remained and we would never have come glorified into his presence. And so, this is what it cost in part for our Father in heaven to give the gift of his Son unto men. My friends, it pleased God that the Savior was bruised, because he knew that in that bruising, in that defeat, would come the victory of all mankind. In that defeat, in that bruising, would come the healing and victory of you and I. And that mattered to God, so much so that he allowed his son to be beaten, to be bruised, to be chastised, to be crucified, knowing that as he rose again, we would all find healing in his wings, and he would have power to save you and I. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe, like, comment, or share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen.